Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's up, Gym Lords? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. My name is Bree. I will be your host today, and I'm here with Joe and Jason from Third Coast MMA in Stafford, Texas. What's up, guys? How are we doing today? Good morning, guys. Good morning. All right, let's jump right into the details here, wasting no time. What is it that made you want to own your own gym? How did you get started? What's the backstory there? Well, I'm going to start it since I'm I'm the older guy. I'm the dad, <laughs> the leader of the bunch. But honestly, it was not a goal to open a gym at all. It really wasn't to run as a business. I ran a, I worked at a, as a job at a quality control for 30 years, and uh, so. This was just a hobby. And so all the money I used to have make at my home and I worked out of my garage for 20, 25 years. And I just, I wasn't really that interested. I used all the money to, to either build and add stuff, equipment for my gym at home or use it for traveling and, and educating myself in the martial arts. And as time went on, uh, you know, I decided that I guess uh, in the last couple of years, uh, three or four years ago, I decided I was going to get out of the business of working and do this full time just because we started jumping around doing stuff. And Jason was competing a lot, traveling a lot. And, and we had outgrown a small town of El Campo that we lived originally lived at. Mm-hmm. And it was only a, a small town of 20, 25,000 people. And so we just decided that, you know, making the move to Houston because we were here all the time. We were always booked for privates. He was traveling, he was competing. And my wife was just really upset with us always being gone, never being home. So we decided to make the move to the Houston area. And from there, we just, uh, for the next, I don't know, 10, 12 years here, in the last 10, 12 years, uh, we decided that we would do it on our own. And we opened, we, we partnered up first with the gym and it didn't work out with the partners that we had. And so in the last 10 years, we opened our own gym and it took off from there. And, you know, um, for me, like I said, I always did it as a hobbyist. It was a job. Uh, it was something that maybe I was going to do in the long run, but not a hundred percent sure. But I just love training. I had a passion, so much of a passion for it. And mm-hmm. um, Jason jumped into it, and like uh, I'll let him tell his part. But he's like, uh, you know, he's never had to work a day in his life because this is what he does. This is his job now. But I'll let you talk now. Yeah, uh, you know, we like you said, we started in El Campo. And uh, when we started in El Campo, the original goal wasn't even necessarily to be a gym or anything like that. We just had a lot of interested people in what we were doing. And at the time, I was a kid, but at the time, he was also professionally boxing. And uh, I mean, he's had his fair share of everything he's done that's been pretty decent. But he did boxing. I think you were doing amateur Muay Thai at the time, too. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, of course, we got into the whole jiu-jitsu trend when everybody started migrating to the U.S. um, in the early 90s and late 80s. And so I kind of fell into that, I guess, that area. And I just, you know, I liked it so much. And then I saw what they were doing all the time. And they would do local competitions, but, you know, it wasn't anything to where the the level of things are now. You know, now it looks like it's this huge organized event and it looks like something off of like the Olympics almost. Right. So I got really interested in that, started competing heavily, ended up competing professionally. And uh, as a side effect of competing professionally, I never intended for people to actually like want me to coach them or want to teach or do anything like that. But that's how I ended up getting involved in the business side of it. And so, you know, we just decided that since we were decent enough at it, that we would start instructing a little bit. 
And then, like you said, we went through a couple of like other places that we, you know, we were decent enough at the job teaching and not just teaching, but showing and competing, which was a big portion of it. It was kind of like advertising for us at the time. Right. So I would go out on the floor, do all the stuff that we were basically teaching everybody. And people saw that in the fact that I was a lot younger because that was also a selling point for us at the time, because I think I might've been, I think 10 to 12 years old competing with adult men and uh, I was winning. So to everybody else, it was a huge motivating factor and it was a huge uh, business selling point. And then we got picked up by a couple of other people and it just, the business started growing and mutating from there. And then of course we started, after we started teaching people, we never intended to have a developed system where it was going to be, you know, a bunch of like, I guess a fight crew or like a fight team or competitors or anything like that. And it's just taken off just because of how much experience we've had doing all of it, but then also coaching on the other side of it, it's turned into like an actual business model now. And that's kind of how we got started with the majority of it. And that's pretty much what led us where, where we are today. Awesome. All right. So something that was uh, always a part of, your lives essentially, but more so a hobby that kind of turned into a business wasn't necessarily something that you expected. So that's kind of the best way that businesses are born. So I love that. Um, Now, as far as your business model goes now, how do you structure things within the facility? Are you doing classes? Are you doing one-on-ones, semi-privates? What does that all look like? What's the the structure within the business? Well, for both of us, we're we're very busy. Our mornings start at 5.30 in the morning normally. It's 5.30 or 6, and we do privates throughout the day. I mean, we usually don't get done until about 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night usually. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's it's a long day structured-wise, but, I mean, we enjoy every every part of it. But the, uh, I guess the, uh, that's our sole income because we don't pull anything from the from the business itself. We do, we, we live off our privates basically. Yeah. Uh, so we're, we're really busy with that part and we give it all the way back. But as far as the curriculums are concerned and how we break them down, I'll let um, take, so. We have adults and kids classes. The kids classes usually take place in the evenings. All, all of our, our uh, classes actually takes place in the, in the later part of the day, just because we found that in the area that we're at, it's a little bit easier for the parents to make it maybe two or three hours after the schools close to get to where they can have free time to not only develop the kids, you know, interest in what they're doing, but then also what they want to do afterwards, because part of the business model was not just going after kids like most martial arts studios would do. You see a lot of the TKD karate, you know, a lot of your traditional schools go after a lot of kids as their base model. Mm -hmm. And I think ours is a little bit different just because we went after the kids, but the intent wasn't originally to pull in the adults. However, that is our biggest uh, clientele pool that we have. And so for that reason, we have all the classes in the evening based around most of the adult schedules. Mm -hmm. So there are kids classes that are followed quickly by the adults. And then after the adult sessions, then there's a little bit more training time for the guys that want to do stuff a little bit afterward. But uh, structure wise in the mornings, we teach our sessions in the morning anywhere from about five o'clock to maybe noon, get a little bit of a break. And then we come back in the evening, start teaching the evening classes. And this goes Monday through Thursday. Um, for the majority of the classes, we take Friday as a light day. I can't say it's necessarily an off day just because we spend a lot of time doing one-on-one sessions with people, especially people getting ready for competitions or just people that kind of have a deeper interest in what we're doing. So that's where we do a lot of the private sessions. 
And then Saturdays, we have a morning schedule where we do about two hours. And then Sundays, we have a afternoon schedule where we do it at another two hours. And I guess the other part is that, you know, the curriculum wise is that we run Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu because it's probably the most popular every day, except for Fridays. Like I said, Fridays normally are open day, but we also have uh, kickboxing, boxing, uh, submission grappling, a Jeekwondo class for self-defense. We have the... Uh, uh we have a competition class yeah we also have a kids mma class yeah, so well. we actually we're probably the first ones to create a first mma kids mma class with a structure of ranking systems as well and uh and then also uh with all those classes within those classes we have beginners uh, novice to beginners uh intermediate and advanced and we break them down and i think that's one of the things that kind of separates us a little bit from some of the other gyms uh is that in jiu-jitsu mostly it's always been taught that you just throw everybody in the same group and you lose a lot of people and i mean i've done this for so many years i've seen so many classes do this and when i started i said no i'm not going to do that we're going to have a fundamentals class of whether it's one or 20 it's going to be a beginner's class. and then that's when the retention started happening and everybody started sticking around today i have over 26 25 black belts meaning that it took them at least eight to 12 years to get there. And they're still with me. And I have several. We, I think we're probably like maybe 175, 180 students now, members that we have uh, as far as contract. We have more students, but contract-wise, it's like about that much. But but that's what our, our structure of our curriculums look like. Okay. All right. So quite a few members. And how large is the space? We are... We came out of a, a location that, that we just moved this past uh, January. And okay. We came out of a, a facility that was 5,600 square feet with about, was it 2,500 square feet of mat space. The rest of it was just general space, which was, we felt was used, was not used properly, right? So when we moved to this next facility, we, we had, we gained a little bit more space on the mat, but not as much on the outside, but that was okay because it was more uniform the way we needed it which turned us into about 4,800 4, square feet. And the other one was uh, 5,600 square feet. So we use the space better mm -hmm. uh, financially and everything all the way. So that's a big, a big learner for us that we, to use space better that you're paying for. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And as far as the membership goes, are you guys looking to add to the membership and grow? Is that something that's a focus for you guys right now at all? Well, you know, like the one thing that we try to pay attention to is that what are you comfortable with? I always always look at during our business plans, like what is it going to cost, you know, for us to run a gym? And we need to know that number. And then the second number is what is that cushion that allows you to to do things and have some money on the side in case things happen, right? Mm -hmm. And then your third number is that 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 money that you can save for you for later on and stuff like that. So those three numbers I think you need to know. And right now we are three quarters of the way into that number. And my next, the biggest number that, that we're, I think we're looking for right now is right at 200. We're really close to it already. Mm -hmm. And could we do more? Yeah, we could, but it's not a, it's not a big thing. I mean, it's to be honest with you, it's, but we're, we're comfortable already, but we're not so comfortable where we're saying sitting back. Cause as you know, every day is a new day. And if you sit back on your walls, it, it'll get away from you really quick. Yeah. So you just gotta stay on it. Absolutely. The thing that makes it a little bit different, I think, than other models, too, is that, uh, you know, a lot of people involved in the industry and I think in just fitness industry in general are so busy selling packages and just sign up fees and all that stuff most of the time. 
And uh, I think we might be one of the first groups that actually focused on true retention and not necessarily just numbers of signups because I, I get a chance to frequent, I, I train so much that I get a chance to actually frequent around other places in the city. And it's kind of like I'm doing, I guess, a little bit of a, a study every time I go and doing a little bit of intel mm -hmm. to kind of see what's going on, see what the trends are, what people are talking about, what to watch out for. And one of the things that I've started finding is that their signup rates are massive. You know, like we're, we're talking anywhere from like 50 to like 75 people in a week, which is big for, you know, for the martial arts industry, as far as like MMA is concerned, or, you know, even jujitsu, but their dropout rate is equally just as high. So for every person that comes in the door, maybe a week or two later, there's another drop off at that same rate. And we've luckily been able to hold on to the amount of people we've had, I guess, not just with our. Yeah, I'm, I'm, su I'm super but, proud, I'm super excited about our retention rate because I know my retention rate. And that's in our, quarter, in our quarter is like two to three percent. And for me, I mean, some people say, oh, your gym's a little more expensive than we expected. And, and I understand that. That's OK. Mm -hmm. Maybe this gym's not for you. And that's right. okay, but I'm sticking to my guns, you know, where yes. we're at. And that's why we have. Mm -hmm. So the fun part about it too, is, you know, we say the 180, 175 number, but in actuality, there's probably about maybe 20 to 30 returning members every couple of months that are there for about three to six months to sometimes even a year, just because they've been with us in the past. And, you know, we, in Houston, you have the oil and gas industry. And that's a really big deal. And especially being in Stafford with Sugarland so close by, one of the biggest companies is Slumberjay. And uh, we have a lot of returning members or people that will, I guess, name drop us in conversations with their friends who are you know, overseas. And when the people get here relocated to Slumberjay here in, in Sugarland, they'll actually come and seek us out. Mm -hmm. And it's really cool because not only do they seek us out and they get to experience what the other people were talking about, but they're most of the time, actually, I can't think of any time actually in the past that they haven't somewhat been happy, if not happier than what they've been told. So the retention number like sticks like pretty high up there. And it's a, it's a constant like 20 to 30, maybe that are not on regular fee schedules just because maybe they're out of the country or whatever it is, but then they return and they're there with us for another couple of months. So those are other, number, other numbers that are added to it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, retention is important. It doesn't really matter how many people you're getting in the doors on a monthly basis if they're all leaving on the back end. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's right. something that at times gets overlooked. But another thing that you said there that stood out to me was, you know, your prices are a little bit higher and you're not for everybody. And those are things that I think are really important. You know, a lot of times, people, gym owners, personal trainers are afraid to actually charge what they're worth, you know, and if people, people who pay, pay attention, right? If somebody's paying a little bit of a higher rate on a monthly basis, chances are they're going to actually show up. They're going to actually get the results that they're looking for. Um, and once they get the results that they're looking for, they tend to stick around for a longer period of time. So that kind of, they all feed into each other and just yeah. keeping in mind that you're not for everybody. You know, it's like when we try to serve everybody, we end up serving nobody. So right. not being afraid to get specific about who it is that you want in the gym. And then also as far as pricing goes, you know, like you said, sticking to your guns, like these are the prices. We're not for everybody. 
you know? So if this is what you want, you know, this is what you're going to pay and not being afraid to kind of stand your ground. Obviously the value has to be there, but, um, you know, it's, it's a better situation where you can charge a little bit more. You have people that are really committed that do stick around for long periods of time. It sets the business up for success rather than having to chase people all the time on a monthly basis to make sure that you can keep the doors open. So now I always like to ask about either key challenges or bottlenecks within the business. So are there any challenges or bottlenecks that you're facing within the business right now? And if so, what are you doing to overcome those? Well, I think uh, for us right now, because we are growing and we get a fluctuation of a lot, like you said, a lot of different people from college kids coming in to moms and dads, families and so forth. And we have a good following of females, right? And I think the females in my gym are probably some of the strongest leaders that we have. And so mm-hmm. right now, what we're working on more than anything right now because of the growth and because we can't be there every day and we can't do everything every day, we're working on an instructor's program to, to have to push this over to some other uh, individuals. Mm-hmm. But on the other part is that it's not, and a lot of gyms just like to like assign a student to do this, but I, I like to put a quality on it because I think you need to pay somebody because then they'll take pride in what they're doing mm-hmm. and not just doing it as a favor to you. you right. Know? So that's, that's a big goal for us this time around is looking at that is trying to, to, to do that. Um, and the other part is that like, I guess the other struggle we're, we're working, it's not a, a huge struggle, but it's something we're, we're trying to launch right now. And it's called a uh, combative games league. It's a new tournament style of tournament. Uh, I'll let you kind of elaborate a little bit more on that one. That- yeah. Uh, you know, it actually starts, most of this actually starts with a lot of the, uh, the female interactions that we have. And uh, honestly, it goes into a lot more than just, I guess the interactions with them. It goes into a lot of logistics and things like that, that we've seen in the industry. And one of the things that we saw when we first came in, which is the reason I think why we're also such a family oriented gym, but then also very high numbers in the, the female clientele is because when you go or you type in MMA, the first things that pop up are images of guys with a bunch of tattoos that look like they've been, you know, juiced to the gills and mm-hmm. extremely aggressive and in your face kind of personalities, almost like a Conor McGregor-ish like kind of vibe to it. And part of the reason that there's such a high dropout rate for some of these people is because of that. You know, it's looked at as like this huge macho mentality thing that, you know, only guys belong in the industry. Only, only guys can really make it straightforward. And unfortunately for those people who are portraying that there's more people out there that aren't interested in doing that than there are people that are actually wanting to do that. Don't get me wrong. I mean, we have fighters and all that stuff in there and those guys are, you know, they're great, but for the amount of people that walk through the door, most of them are not looking for, you know, that level of like intensity, or if they are, maybe it's something that they build up to get into. And that's the idea of what we're doing with combative games league because most of this stuff is geared towards kids or people aspiring to maybe, I don't know, maybe future get in there, but we took away from the barbarity side of it and made it a little bit more palatable to not only the female clientele who are looking at it from the outside, because most of them are the ones that come in with the kids, mm-hmm. but then also showing the kids that it doesn't have to be this, you know, brutish, like kind of, I guess, uh, I don't know how you would say it other than maybe just testosterone fueled, you know, machismo and the entire thing. So it's, it's, it's a change in the way people look at it. 
but then also because you see this interaction with the women who make it palatable for the kids, the men pick up on that. So when the men see actually the women are, are comfortable bringing the kids into these situations, it lets their guard down just a little bit and they feel like they want to come in, which I think is why we have kind of the, the ratio that we have right now, because we have quite a few women, but then all those women actually have spouses that actually train and then their kids are in the kids classes. So it's not like we just have like one girl in there and, you know, her husband knows about it or something like that. We have husband, wife, son, daughter in the same class, mm-hmm. or we'll have like husband, wife, in one class, and then they wait, you know, until tomorrow to bring, you know, their, their son or their kid in, or even the cousins at, at some point too, they get everybody involved. And I think that's, what's really interesting about the combative games league, just because like I said, it's a building process, but it helps all of us out in the industry by taking away from that vibe, just because if you go and you look up a lot of the stuff anywhere on any of the social media interactions and posts, all you see is these numbers that tell people how impossible it is to get to a black belt or how impossible it is to get to pro level competitions or, you know, achieve whatever it is that most of these people look at and aspire towards. It's like, man, nobody wants to hear that stuff. Like that's, if anything, it makes you sound like you don't want to pursue it. You know, and it's like, you got to give them something to make them feel like they can actually get in there. Not only are we giving that to you, but we actually provide a pathway for it. So we're, we're really trying to push the CGL because for the industry all the way around, and we're already getting really good feedback from it from all over the country. Uh, not just here in the Houston area, but it was from Florida to, to California. Uh, so we, we figured we're working on this to really make it big. And we've got a lot of stuff already in, in, in place for it. Uh, so it's something that we worked on and we thought about during the pandemic that we try to figure out what we were going to do better, stronger to come back and separate ourselves from everybody else when we came back. So we wanted a, str- a strategy to come back with. Uh, but I think the, the other thing, the day-to-day thing that we have to do to work on is, and this is just an ongoing thing for, I think for any gym or in all gyms, is just the advocacy of the students working with each other, mm-hmm. you know, respecting each other keeping a good environment for the females. I mean, this is something I a regular on a regular basis. I, you know, I, I mentioned stuff like that in the class all the time. Hey guys, don't forget, you know, to welcome the new members, make them feel welcome. You know how you felt when you first came here, blah, 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 stuff like that. But that's something that you just constantly, you know, you need to do all the time. And I can always tell the guys that it's easy. It's easy to run a gym when you're running curriculums. Curriculums are easy to set up. That's the hard part is managing personalities. And I always yeah. tell everybody, that trying to keep these personalities within these boundaries i'm not trying to run your life but i just need to try to work you when you walk in those doors forget about everything that happened out there mm-hmm. and this is another world for you so you would and so the, the students really enjoy it i mean they they get to stay over late hang out it's just like their own social club and mm-hmm. some nights i mean some days on several days i, I always tell them hey you got to go home you don't have to go you don't have to go home but you got to leave here right now guys. yeah <laughs> we always stay over another hour two hours over all the time so yeah right. that's that's our, our biggest deal is just trying to maintain those, you know, that consistency of, of people working with each other. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That goes a long way. Um, the community aspect of it though, you know, when people feel like they're really a part of something, then that tends to lead to longer term members. So definitely an important piece and a constant thing that, you know, you do have to keep up with and managing personalities can be one of the hardest parts of, the business itself for sure um, especially <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> uh and then i also love you know what you're doing with the um combative games league that you were talking about because 
that's something, you know, a lot of different approaches within the industry, whether it be MMA, whether it be CrossFit, whether it be just going to the gym in general, a lot of people get intimidated initially because of things that they see, and then they never give X, Y, or Z a chance because they're intimidated by it in the beginning. So kind of changing the perspective of, you know, what's possible and what's out there, what's available to you and that, you know, it is doable for people at different levels, obviously. Um, this is something that I always talk about within advertising, you know, because a lot of times gyms put things out there when they're advertising of people that are all ripped up and are, you know, they think that that's appealing to people, but a lot of times it really discourages people and they're afraid, you know, so they don't ever walk into the gym. And I always suggest putting things out there of people that are actually in your gym. You know, people want to see something that they can relate to. And if they can relate to it, chances are they're going to think, okay, I can do this and actually come in rather than being intimidated by, you know, whatever photo or video or whatever it is that they see that holds a lot of people back. So I definitely appreciate that and like that um, idea and that approach. Absolutely think that that can go a long way as far as just, you know, serving more people and, and letting them know what's possible, showing them what's possible. So that's fantastic. Um, one thing that I always love to ask about is a piece of advice that you would give, and you can each give your own. They may be similar, they may be different, but uh, a piece of advice to somebody who is considering doing their own thing, you know, going their own way, opening their own facility. What is one of the most important things that you've learned over your time within the industry? Well, I'll go first. And uh, I, I will just say two things. And I think they, the first one is, if you're going to open a business or you're deciding to do something uh, and you're really set on it, you need a business plan outline. If you're not sure what a business plan, look it up. Uh, it's so important. Uh, uh, it'll tell you whether, whether you're going to whether you want to do this or not or how to go about it and uh, money-wise and, and time-wise and everything. So, yeah, that, that would be one for sure. And the other one would be, I would say, and I saw you on many of your, your podcasts, there's a lot of uh, people that are together, three, four people from different, not necessarily family like he and I, but mm -hmm. just, you know, do uh, the uh, partnership thing. But I will tell you, man, if you're going to do a partnership, no matter how good the friend is or whatever, one have a, a business agreement of how you're going to look at your goals, decide what you're going to do, how it's going to be run. And two, for sure, have an exit plan. If you, mm -hmm. you definitely need an exit plan because things always go south. You know, I know they could be your best friend, but it can go south right away. So I would, those are my two biggest ones that I would tell you for anyone yeah. to start a business. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of the stuff I do has to deal with like some of the social media sides of it. And I think it's such a big thing right now to understand what's going on with it. Um, pay attention to your logistics and trends, I guess, in what you would say the industry, mm -hmm. because what I found over time is a lot of people will jump on the trends of something, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the trend is popular with everybody. Mm -hmm. And so like one of the things that we noticed, even coming back from like COVID and all this stuff is that, uh, it, when you start looking at your logistics and stuff across the board, like for us, for instance, when we came back, a lot of the stuff was before we started or right as COVID lockdown started to happen, 
we had a huge influx of kids. We're still building the kids program back up again, but it's, it's slowly but surely starting to come back up to its original numbers. At the time we had probably 40 to 50 kids and they were all training both jujitsu and MMA on a consistent basis. And then we had another couple, maybe 20 that were in and out like here and there, but they were still like registered with the consistency was about 40 to 50. So the floor was packed. As soon as COVID happened, and you start paying attention to all the news and what was going on in, in the world, it was like, okay, everybody wanted, nobody knew what was going on. You know, mm-hmm. nobody understood anything that was going on. I mean, some people, we still don't really know everything. Right. But one of the things you kept hearing was, Oh, fitness, 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 you know, like that was one of the things from the key factors, morbidity factors that you had involved in everything. And most of that was geared towards the adults. They were telling people, okay, you need to be physically fit. You need to be this and that. And it was like, okay, well, where do you take that message? Because they're displaying it everywhere on every news channel that you can get your hands on, every social media site you see. But then when you watch the industry and what people are doing, they're still busy either blowing up the kids' programs the entire time with low numbers, or they were busy selling these points that made it seem like it was like exclusionary, right? Like not everybody can do it. Instead, we kind of focused on more of the fitness side of it. Right. So we said, okay, well, we're going to teach you fitness, but we're going to teach you fitness and skills. Right. So when I started looking at all the logistics and stuff on the, on the sites and, you know, cause Instagram, for instance, gives you like a view on your insights. Yeah. And I started looking at how many people would like, click, say whatever it was. And I noticed that a lot of it was geared towards not just the fitness side of it, but a lot of it was a lot of the women involved in, in towards that. And it makes sense. You know, you'd want to be healthy for your kid for a long-term benefit, but then also be able to defend your kid. And as a side effect, okay, well, if you want to defend your kid as well as being physically fit, well, the kid would want to be like that too. And as a side effect of that, well, then, you know, any adult male looking in, oh, she can do it. I can do it. And so that, that's kind of where we got, I guess, paying more attention to what was going on in the industry. So for me, logistics was like a huge thing watching all this stuff too. And even from that standpoint, I learned a lot of that stuff early because one of the things I used to do, and it used to cost me hours of doing it, is we would get, when we started, we were one of the only martial arts gym, mixed martial arts gyms in, in the area. So we got a lot of site uh, traffic. Mm-hmm. And we started doing these interviews, uh, sit downs with like, you know, how Google or Yelp would come across and they'd want to do like these sit downs. Here's what we can do for you. And at the time, we didn't really necessarily have the money to do it because we were still starting out. But what I started doing was taking notes on a lot of this stuff. And I figured out one of the common denominators on it is when I would sit down with these people and they would explain what they could do for us, it was all basically stuff I could do on my own. It just required the legwork to do it. Mm -hmm. So I would take notes and have like notebooks of stuff of everything that they told me to do that they could do for me that I had to pay a price for. But I just decided, oh, well, I'm going to go do this myself. And the common denominator in all of them were, hey, look at your logistics, look at your logistics look at the trends, follow the trends, or go the opposite direction for something because everybody else is going one way, you go the opposite to, you know, make your, your next move. Mm-hmm. So that, that was one of the biggest things for me is paying attention to that stuff because, you know, in our industry, a lot of the stuff that people get focused on is competition. They get so focused on competition. And like you said, they put right. these people up there that look a particular way. Mm-hmm. And it's like, not everybody wants to look like that and it will be intimidating, right? Well, the logistics you know, nobody's going to know if the person walking in the door is a world champion or not. So the logistics say, no, they want to see average everyday people doing stuff that they thought was difficult. Mm-hmm. And so when we started looking at those numbers and all that stuff, that's why we started doing the things that we started doing 
to help keep those retention numbers up by empowering people, but then also looking at how to bring new people in through those site logistics. So that, that was that was a huge deal for me. You know, I, I spent a lot of time on it, probably almost maybe three to five years doing it. So I, I learned a lot in it. It's almost like uh, I forget what the term. What, what, what was it called? Uh, uh, nat natural. I forget what the actual advertising term for it is. Grassroots. Grassroots. Yeah. Grassroots. So, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a big deal for me. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, one of the most important things that you can learn as a business owner. Well, one, paying attention to the numbers, the numbers don't lie, right? It's amazing to me how many people just don't know their numbers, don't pay attention to their numbers. Um, and I mean, learning how to feed the business at the drop of a hat with quality leads is one of the most important skills you can have as a business owner. So learning those trends and paying attention to the logistics and knowing exactly who it is that you need to speak to, you know, within your advertising and getting the word out there about what it is that you do is huge. One of the most important things that you can learn. And a lot of times people don't want to take the time to learn it, right? It's like, like you said, you put in three to five years, like that's a long time. That's a lot of work, but now you know how to do it. You know what you should be looking for, you know, and that's super helpful because you don't have to hire somebody to do it. And if you do hire somebody to do it, you know what to look for. So super, super important. I love that for a piece of advice, you know, learn your numbers, learn to read the logistics, those numbers that you have as far as, especially, you know, the social media stuff, because that's huge. That's where it's at right now. You know, so knowing how to do that, knowing what to look for, how to feed the business, so, so important. And putting the time in to learn those things pays off in the future. So definitely a good piece of advice there. So as we start to wrap up here, where can the listeners find you guys on social media? How can they find the gym? Um, the Instagram handle is at TX3RD Coast MMA. Um, so it's just Texas third coast MMA. So TX third coast MMA. Um, we do have a TikTok too. I'm still kind of working and playing around with that. Um, like I said, I pay attention to numbers a lot. And one of the issues that I'm having with TikTok is that Instagram and TikTok are competing right now. So anything that I put up on one immediately gets flagged on the other. And some of the stuff gets, you know, kind of mucked up in between, but yeah, we do have yep. a TikTok and it's the same. It's uh, at, at TX third coast MMA. Uh, and then we have a Facebook profile as well. Again, TX third coast MMA on there as well. And so most of the stuff is linked together. Um, everything but the TikTok, I guess, uh, we thought about doing the Twitter, but I just, I, I'm honestly, I think it takes too much time and you focus too much on being almost like in what I consider like a little bit of your own zone. Like you're almost <laughs> in that little area that everybody thinks that, Oh, whatever I say somehow matters. And it's like, no, it's, right. <laughs> it's, not, a, it's not a useful, uh, advertising tool for us. So I haven't no. thought too much. But yeah, those are the the handles for the social media sites. And then txcircosmma.com. Um, we just revamped the site, what, maybe two months ago, three months ago? Yeah, about two two or three months ago. So it's got a new updated look. It's a very modern take. We went, we used to have actually darker colors, like a red and a black. Mm -hmm. And uh, we went with more, still red and black, but a little bit more of a modern kind of white, uh, clean looking. Uh, That's what our gym looks like as well, so yeah. Awesome. It's, it, it's, it's really cool to look at. Um, I think there's any, is there anything else? Nope. That was it. That was yeah. it. Perfect. That, that covers them. Yeah. I mean, Twitter's interesting. I've never had a Twitter. 
So I, it's, <laughs> I don't think it's a, a definitely not good for advertising, but I, I can yeah. see why you wouldn't have one. And then, yeah, TikTok is uh, up and coming. That's for sure. As the, the advertising platform, but yeah, there's definitely some stuff happening there between Instagram and TikTok that is uh, like you said, muddies the waters a little bit. So um, challenging, but Anyway, so Joe and Jason from Third Coast MMA in Stafford, Texas, thank you both for taking the time to join us today. It's been so great having you on the show. Thank you so much for the invite, y'all. Appreciate it. Yes, absolutely. So all the listeners out there, make sure that you subscribe so that you will be updated on future episodes of the show. In the meantime, keep killing it out there, and we will catch you on the flip side. Jim Lords, out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but... Don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'm your host, Austin Montero, and today we are joined by Yotam Israeli from LuxFit in San Francisco, California. Yotam, what's going on, man? Hey, Austin. Thanks for having me on. Dude, happy to have you on. Thank you for taking the time. Looking forward to our conversation I was able to learn about what you guys have going on here off camera. Sounds really cool, man. So let's dive in. So LuxFit, you're out there in San Francisco. Let's go back in time. I know you opened end of end of 2020. What was your thought process, you know, from a business sense as to why you wanted to open this business and get this thing rolling? Yeah, that, that's a great question, Austin. And, uh, you know, I, I like the business side. I like the entrepreneurship side. And I love fitness. I love helping people out. Uh, we did launch in December 2020, kind of like smack dab in the middle of COVID. And a big reason for that is California had very strict rules regarding fitness, especially indoor fitness. And I realized that our community was really lacking in the sense of people didn't have anywhere to work out. Uh, fitness professionals didn't have anywhere to actually make a living. I saw a lot of my former employees, a lot of my friends move out of San Francisco because they couldn't find a job. So I stumbled upon a really amazing opportunity. I'd been wanting to open my own gym for a while. And this worked out in the sense of I was able to give back to not only our members and our community, but also those fitness professionals that I've just been talking about. Yeah, yeah I love it, man. Like we said before, take a negative situation, make it a positive, start this business from that, which, which I think is awesome. And to uh, obviously follow a passion you have and then build this thing and make it obviously a career with our multiple locations that we have now and, and growing, which is great, man. So for the listeners, yo, Tom, talk to us about your, your setup, man, because it is unique, you know, uh, very cool. How did you uh, walk us through your, your physical setup and how the business runs in that way? Yeah, uh, we are a unique concept. We are a fully outdoor training facility. And thankfully, we live in San Francisco, where 80, 90% of the days are 65 degrees and sunny. So it, it's an ideal climate for being outside, especially for training purposes. Uh, but to give you like a high level overview of, of the setup, we operate out of a couple of modified storage containers that we retrofitted, right? They got full walls in them, electricity, power, everything you need. And the actual workout floor is outside on a lot. 
So at our first location, we bring every single piece of equipment in and out every single day. Uh, it's quite a lengthy process to bring in and out that much weight. Uh, our second location where thankfully we have security overnight. So we have full equipment outside, like, you know, a leg press machine, cable fly machine, Swift machine, treadmills, et cetera. We cover those up, lock them up. They got security roaming around. And then we bring in all the free weights every single day in and out. Uh, but essentially it's a couple storage containers and then it opens up to this wide open gym yeah. floor space. Yeah, very cool setup. And uh, me just thinking out loud, man, would you ever move to a traditional indoor space? Or are you guys going to follow this model and keep pushing this outdoor model as far as you can? Yeah, you know, we're, we're an outdoor gym. Uh, yeah. That's kind of our bread and butter. That, that's our niche. I think there's 100 gyms in San Francisco, but there's one outdoor gym, and that's us. Yeah. So our, our third location that we're working on right now will be a hybrid that will have an indoor space component. But yeah. being outside is never like I've never felt as good with my body as being able to be outside every single day. I think that's something that makes us really unique. And I think the science behind yeah. vitamin D and sun exposure and getting fresh air supports our business model. Dude, so, I love it. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll always be an outdoor gym. Yeah, I love it. Super primal. I feel the same way. I mean, I go work outside of my driveway, but you know, it's out in the sun, working out, feel, feels great, man. And you mentioned there are all the good health benefits that have definitely been shown to come from that. So awesome. We know about your model, why you started this thing, Yotam. The services you do offer now, just for the listeners, run down what you guys have there at Luxfield. I know you're more than just an open gym model. So what else do we have going on? Yeah, definitely. So we have, from our training perspective, we're, we're a training facility. So right. we specialize in one-on-one -on -one training. We offer group fitness. We have open gym memberships where people come in, work out on their own. So in terms of a gym-wise, we have pretty much everything you need. Uh, we've recently started expanding. We now have our Revive offering, which is what we do for rehab, prehab, mobility. Uh, it includes 60-minute assisted stretching sessions. We bring in a Cairo. We do cupping, uh, taping, grassing, all, all that stuff that keeps you active and keeps you moving. Uh, now we are starting to transition and grow a little bit more. In about the next three to six months, we're opening our first smoothie shop, uh, which Still figuring out the name, but we're thinking Lux Bar to start. There we go. Yeah. Branding's everything. All right. Very cool. I love all the services, man, and can really uh, lends to a good business model, right? And obviously, every successful business needs that model to be viable. So awesome, man. Now, with that being said, so you're in outdoor spaces with other businesses, which I'm sure helps you guys attract people. And you told me your member number here off camera, which is, which is great, man. Super impressive. What else have you guys done over these past, what, year and a half now or so? to get these new clients in the door, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing that we have going that's really unique is we're outside. So yeah. people come by, they see us, they're instantly attracted to it. They're like, hey, who are all these people having a good time, getting healthy? A lot of people, you know, work out with their shirts off. So it's, it's a very appealing, visually appealing uh, atmosphere. But, you know, we started, or I started very guerrilla marketing style where, hey, let me print out a bunch of flyers. I'm going to put them up all over the neighborhood. Uh, you know, we live in San Francisco, which is a very technological and digital city. That being said, I mean, the, the old school things still work. So a lot of flyers. I walked around door to door to a bunch of different residential complexes and the high rises in the area, you know, asked to send their uh, residents a newsletter. That worked really, really well. Uh, I think our social media does really well and it highlights our different offerings, but 
honestly, the, the, we don't spend a whole lot of money on running ads and doing all the digital side of things. We let things grow really naturally and the in-person, the, like I said, the flyers, the talking to people, partnering with different businesses and doing a lot of community events has really allowed us to grow. Yeah, for sure, man. And definitely something in the beginning, when the new business is new, right? We see that organic growth, which is great. And you guys have that unique concept being outside, which is awesome, right? In those local partnerships, you can create guerrilla marketing, like you said. Would you ever get to that point when you would use those, those social media channels in like a paid way, paid advertising, using ads uh, to grow to maybe that second, third location and to fill up this, this first location? Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely not opposed, but I also think in this field and in this space, that's really competitive. You know, you, uh, especially in San Francisco, you type up personal training San Francisco and your first five sponsored apps are all these massive apps and massive companies. It, like we're, we're, it's trying to compete with an Equinox or sure, te sure. tech money. And they have so many locations. They have so many investors that they're able to lose money on these ads just to beat out their competitors. So right. not saying necessarily that that route isn't in the future, but what we've done a better job of is, you know, teaming up and having newsletters written about us or getting yeah. reports written about us. And that just bumps our SEO optimization. And sure. we really rely on that word of mouth from our yeah. member base and from all that marketing that I talked about earlier. For sure, man. Yeah. And word of mouth, I think I read something like we get 50% of our members in a service-based business like ours from that word of mouth, which is, which is huge. And there's obviously ways we can systematize that and, but you know, if the paid ads are there, like you're saying, if that, if their ROI is there from that, something that you guys are not opposed to doing or open to doing, especially down the road. Cool, man. So it, yeah, it, exactly. Awesome. And, and just to jump on that, I mean, I've, yeah. I, I've, I've looked into it and a lot of times is, or like for, especially for the paid for ads, it's what time of year is it, right? If you're going to try to market in January, February, March, good, good luck, right? If you're going to kind of target this Q3 that we're coming up, that's a really good time. Obviously yeah. Q4, uh, I think most gym business owners know that's a hard time in fitness. Uh, but, but, but it is about, I don't want to say timing the market, but there is kind of like dips and swings of, of when you'd want to run those. Thousand percent. Yeah. Thousand percent. Uh, and there is a lot of seasonality to this, right? Like you said, like summer's slower in different parts of the country. But yeah. Timing is for sure, man, everything with marketing. So got members in the door, so to speak, right? Now, increasing average revenue always, I think, super important, right? The higher value per member we can get, the better. We kind of focus more, too, on retention at that point. But what are you guys doing, you know, Tom, to increase that average revenue per member? Yeah, we th there's quite a few things. I mean, one, like I was saying, we, we love our group fitness scene. We do about 35 classes a week. And a lot of those personal – or, sorry, the uh, group fitness members end up supplementing that with some personal training hey, maybe this movement doesn't feel 100% accurate, so they're gonna supplement it with that. Uh, now, a, a, a big part is, like I was talking about, is our Revive offering. And, you know, I, I, I'll ask you, Austin, when, when's the last time you sat down and did a 60-minute stretch session? Never. It, yeah, exactly. So yeah. You, it, it's nice to have somebody after yeah. a hard workout work, stretching you, and you, I don't wanna say get to completely relax, because it is, a partnership that both people are working, but yeah. you get to lay on your back and have somebody stretch you for 60 minutes. So revive has been a big part of what we're doing. Yeah. 
We have a cool apparel uh, spot, our deal with Lululemon. And oh, nice. thankfully all of our clothing is through Lululemon and we do a lot of apparel through them. Uh, our members really like representing us. I think we have a cool logo, a cool name. And yeah. I think our design looks really good. So apparel has been big for us. Uh, Revive has been awesome for us, even though that's still in the, in the first few months. And now when we open that Lux bar, there'll be an, another way to add to that. Yeah, and that's awesome. That's all. A lot of different ways to increase revenue, a lot of different streams. And yeah, man, I would love somebody to stretch me out for even 30 minutes a day because God knows I need that for sure, man. My back, <laughs> my back doing lunges last night. So there, there's well, that. Well, ne next time you're in San Francisco, stop on by. Little, I'll, I'll, I will, man. Get a little stretch. I, I definitely need it. So, uh, but no, cool. I love all the revenue streams. Uh, that partnership with Alu Lemon, obviously great, you know, for selling clothes. The smoothie shop's going to be awesome. So we get members in the door. We're able to ascend them. The third part of this is we want to keep them for as long as possible, mm -hmm. right? Have you seen at this first year and a half any kind of life cycle of a typical client, Yotam? You know, I, I would argue that 90 plus percent of our member base, ha since they joined, whether it was in December of 2020 or in June of 2021, are still with us. Awesome. Uh, we have a really loyal and supportive community. And in fact, that's, that's one of our three pillars and is, is having such a strong supportive community. And I believe that because of that, people like to be there because it is such a friendly environment. If they join, they're, they're working with a trainer, they're, they're working in classes, even working on their own, they get to meet pretty much everybody at the gym. Like it, it's really crazy. Somebody will come in for a one-on-one -on -one personal training session. They're doing a PR and basically the whole gym will stop and cheer them on, give them fist taps. And that community has allowed us to retain our members. I mean, I remember when I was managing some of the, the large health clubs in the city, we, we might have 230 members sign up in a month, but 220 of those are, are leaving every single month. Right. And right. That, that is just not what we are. Yeah. We're, we're, we're a small boutique gym and yeah. we want to make sure that our, our member base likes being there and continues yeah. being there. And, and obviously people move, things change, but like sure. I said, 90% of them stay with us. Yeah. And that's huge. And that's like, uh, the advantage of a business setup like ours, right? We can build relationship and accountability and create this community of people that are, are into health and fitness. And uh, I think people are really like looking for that these days coming out of, you know, the last couple of years for sure, man. With, are there any, you guys do anything like events or are, are you able to communicate with the members when they're not with you, like the other 23 hours of the day? Sorry, sorry I got a, a, a loud dog. Uh, no worries, man. No worries. Yes. Sorry, man. I, uh, I actually, it's a gym member's dog and I'm dog sitting him for, oh, for the week, but it's a, uh, it's a 180 pound Anatolian shepherd, man. <laughs> which, which is, uh, he's, he's essentially I mean, a guard dog. So any, anytime there's noise, he starts barking. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, you need that sometimes, man. I wish my dog did a little more guarding. That's for sure. But yeah, to, to answer your question, Austin, I mean, we do a ton of events and, Okay. community events are really really important for us yeah so we do uh almost quarterly sometimes even more often is we call it lux fest where it's essentially a, a fitness festival right you got free workout classes we bring in a live dj we we get some drink sponsorships get some food sponsorships turn it into this really fun event uh 
last time we did, we had a bunch of deadlifting competitions, uh, like a pull-up competition, things like that. And then philanthropy is huge for us as well. So we do a lot of different fundraisers in the terms of, you know, we did one for Stop Asian Hate last year. We've done a BLM one. We did a, a Ukrainian fundraiser. Uh, next month, we are doing a Fighting for College track, which is this cool organization that allows helps low-income children get into college. Uh, and, and we turn that into a big event. So we got a couple of classes. We got a DJ. We got a live band coming in drinks food everything i just men mentioned and you know those events from like a revenue perspective uh, the, the philanthropy events they're, they're great because we get to donate a bunch of money to charities but the actual events from a revenue perspective don't do much but in the sense of a community building perspective you can't beat it right i agree and that's something where like those bigger big box gyms uh can't compete with us on that level for sure, man. And that lends to retention rates, keeps people longer, more engaged, part of the community, which is, which I think is, is great, man. So I love to hear that, especially the charity piece, you know, because people like, you know, again, it binds that community tight. So dude, with all that being said, a lot of growth here in the first 18 months or so, where is, where is your main focus now the next 12 months moving forward from a growth perspective? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're continuing on that growth uh, perspective. Like, like I keep talking about, we got that smoothie shop opening up. Yeah. We are currently in lease negotiations for a third spot in San Francisco. Uh, I had some developers reach out to me from the East Coast. They want to bring this concept out there. I'll be flying out there uh, in uh, September to kind of scout it out, do, do some yeah. research over there. But we, we want to continue growing. I mean, I think there are so many there's so much research behind how the, the, the things that aid in longevity, yeah, obviously movement and, and right. exercise, but it's having that supportive community. I mean, it, it's having somebody that you can reach out and talk to and having somebody who's got your back and yeah. you do that. It's the, the fact that most of our people, most of our clientele, they sit in front of a computer all day. So being outside, being with us is one of the most important things they can do every single day to actually stay healthy. So we want, we want to spread this word. We want to continue allowing our members to find that supportive community, to find those performance gains, to have that outdoor environment. And in the, in the same time is I want to help continue fitness professionals uh, achieve their career goals. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we live in an expensive city. It doesn't make sense that because you're not in fitness, or sorry, you're not in tech or you're not in finance, you can't make a living. And right. thankfully th this independent training model has allowed our fitness coaches and our fitness professionals to create a career and stay in something that they're really passionate about. Yeah, man. I love that. And I definitely think we need more of that, what you just said, helping other fitness professionals create a career, you know, under, within our company, right? So to kind of have their own brand, so to speak. With that being said, man, what is, what is your role like right now, day to day? And how do you think that will change once you keep adding these multiple locations in the near future? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm the president of the company, so yeah. I do a lot of the big picture stuff. I am pretty involved in the day-to-day, -day, but similar to our member base of having such a high retention, our trainers are like that as well. We, we've had two trainers leave. One of them went to pursue real estate. One of them went to be a head uh, strength and conditioning coach at Purdue. So all, all of our coaches, you know, we, we, we have about 48 of them. They, they've wow. all stayed. So I've been fortunate to work with such amazing fitness professionals and they have stepped up into different managerial roles. Uh, 
one of my really good long-term buddies that I've been to five gyms with, four or five gyms with. He's a GM of our first location. I met a really amazing friend and he's the GM of our second location. And thankfully that allows me to step out of the day-to-day. Uh, but I think long-term is I, I, I'll be floating from different locations. You know, I still train clients. I love my clients. I don't want to give that up. But right. eventually, it's it's really just about putting the right people in the right places to succeed and putting people that I trust and also empowering them to make their own decisions. Yeah, dude, I love, man, especially uh, the fact you've created this business from a negative place where you were, created this, and now you have other trainers that you've known able to flourish uh, under the umbrella of LuxFit, which I think is which I think is awesome, man, and like uh Really cool to hear. So I appreciate you saying that, man. And yo, Tom, I think a beautiful place to, to wrap up this episode, man. Appreciate you coming on, sharing your story. Where can the listeners check you out? Website, social media. Where can we find you and follow your story? Yeah, definitely, man. Thanks again for having me. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, Instagram, LuxFitSF uh, would be the number one spot if you want to follow me personally. Just my first and last name, Yotam Israeli. Check out our website, LuxFitSF.com. Uh, we have a podcast out now as well, the Lux, LuxFit Elixir. Maybe we'll get y'all on there at one oh, of these yeah. points. But uh, our coach, Pat Savage, runs that. Really brilliant guy. I, I really recommend checking that out as well. But anything LuxFit SF, you guys Google, search it up. We'll pop up. Please give us a follow. We, we, we'd love to connect with your audience as well. Yeah, man, that's awesome. I'm going to give you guys a follow here in a few minutes once we get off. But, uh, yo, Tom, yeah, appreciate you coming on too, man. Thank you so much. We wish you continued success, man. Yeah, thanks a lot, Austin. Appreciate you it. got it. And listeners, we appreciate you guys as well. Please hit like and subscribe to be notified for future episodes. And until next time, Jim Lords, we are out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more, or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I will be your host today. My name is Brooke Steele. Joining me on the show is Joe from Madtown Fitness out in Matters, Oregon. Welcome to the show, Joe. How are you today? Good, good. Thank you for having me. Nice to meet you, Brooke. I'm excited to have you here. It's very nice to meet you as well. I'm excited to learn about what you do at your fitness business. But before we dive into that, Joe, tell me, like, what was it that got you into the business of becoming a gym owner? I'm one of the extremely uh, fortunate, lucky people that fell into this. I, uh, I was laid off from a, a, a construction job in 2009. My dad owned a building. My dad was a real estate guy for a long time. He owned a building out in Madras uh, that a gym was in. He owned it for 15 years. That gym was running fine. 
during the 2008 downturn, it didn't, it wasn't running as fine. And the owner came to us and said, we, we we're looking to sell the business. And my dad turned to me and said, do you want to take a loan out and make a go of it? And, and uh, I'd always thought of running my own business. I'd never dreamed that I would be in this one. I didn't know how it would go at all, but uh, I rented a, home, a house down there and started working 12 hours a day, six days a week, and just to, you know see what we could do. And that's how I fell into it. But uh, no, I'm one of the extremely fortunate ones that uh, just got lucky. Well, I mean, props to you. I, don't, I feel like you got lucky, but you made something out of it. Um, that was 2009. It's now 2022. So you've been doing this for a little while. Uh, but I think it's so cool. Yeah, I think it's kind of cool because, um, you know, this isn't something that you you wanted to do, but you kind of had in your heart that like maybe you're going to be an entrepreneur. You're going to own your own business one day. You just didn't know what it was going to be. And here you are in the fitness business. This is a crazy industry. Um, and, and everybody does things a little differently. So Joe, you know, kind of tell me about Madtown Fitness. Who are you guys? What kind of service do you provide for your clients? Um, and just kind of paint that picture for our listeners so that moving forward in this conversation, you know, we get a better idea of uh, what you have to offer at your gym. So uh we're, we're a, a big box style gym as far as the way we would describe them here on the podcast. Uh, we're a 24-7 facility. Uh, it's 8,000 square feet. Uh, we, uh, we have obviously uh, people coming all the time. We do offer uh, group fitness classes. Um, we, we're in an economically depressed county. We're in a, a, a small rural agricultural county. Uh, there's only 7,500 people in my town and another 1,500 person people in a neighboring town. And that's kind of the pool of people we get to pull from, from gym members. And so uh, we've done it a little differently. Uh, we, my gym has no contracts. We don't have any kind of contractual relationships. We got rid of all that stuff because it was really hard to enforce. And when someone would break a contract and you'd hit them with a cancellation fee, they'd be mad and then they wouldn't come back. And we just couldn't afford to lose members like that. And so we have a non-contractual gym. You just buy time, you get time. You can buy more time if you want it. Uh, we do have a, a set of group fitness classes. They're all free to attend once you're a member because we found that most people won't go to a class if they have to pay extra for it. Um, and so we've actually been able to build all of our class leaders work pro bono. They, they do it because they love fitness. They do it because they, uh, they have gym memberships for their families for free. We just trade like that. And they all, they all love the crowd they get. Uh, they love the experience of leading the classes. So uh, we have a much more like grassroots community-based thing going as far as, uh, as far as the membership and the, and the, uh, the use, use of the gym. We've had some personal trainers over the years. I've never seen anybody be able to make it doing that. They've always had to have regular jobs and do that in their off time. I've tried some personal training over the years. I just find that I don't love it. Um, my wife's a personal trainer. In fact, we met in the gym, which has been the absolute best part of my life. I'm totally honored to have met her and, and she's, she's completely amazing. But she does personal training, but uh, she was working for uh, the neighboring Confederated Tribes of Warm Springs. And so, uh, she had to quit doing personal training at our gym and, and just work down there. And uh, it's just, we've, when I took over the gym, it had two treadmills and a stair climber and uh, most of the equipment could fit into one corner of the building. And so we uh, started aggressive purchasing. Every dollar that we've ever made has been reinvested. We still have like not that much of a savings account because I've bought it all. 
and I keep buying. I just bought two new uh, AMTs with the P80 touchscreens on them the other day because we're still trying to uh, just improve our product. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, constant improvement has been the theme of my of the gym. I, I've uh, every single week or every day we're trying to do something better, whether it's a new bar uh, or like you know the Texas deadlift bar or a new rack or a new uh, you know a new yeah. piece of cardio equipment. Uh, we've just been trying to build it up as much as possible and just trust that the product is awesome and that it will gain market share on its own is, is my idea. Yeah. And I think like, it's cool too, because it sounds like you're really providing a lot of value to your community. Um, the members that you have at your facility, um, you're really focused on that. You know, the idea that you're constantly looking to make improvements that says a lot about, you know, how much you care about your clients. Um, and that's important. Um, right now, if you take a look at, at your clients, how many members do you guys have at the gym? Almost 400, I think is the, is a close number, 375 to 400. Okay. And with that, you know, you said that you guys don't do contracts that they buy time, they use it and they can buy more time if they want. So, um, with that, are people paying for like a month, for example, and then they come back and they pay you for the next month or is it like an auto bill or how does the membership piece actually work? We do all of those things. Uh, some people don't want to be auto billed and just want to pay month to month and they can come in and pay, uh, in, you know, cash card. We accept money through Venmo. We also run an ACH automatic withdrawal program, uh, we also sell three months, six months, one year memberships, two year memberships. Uh, we have family packages, all that, everything you could think of in a way to, to, to make money as far as the gym membership goes, we do. We have tanning in the gym, we sell that as well. Uh, we have packages for mem- you know, monthly memberships for both the tanning and the gym, you know. Um, so all that stuff just goes together. Uh, as far as all that goes, uh, yeah, we've, we try to make money however we can, I guess. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, you have a lot of different options there. Would you say that most of your members are using like one over another or is it pretty spread um, between like people that are auto billing or people that are kind of just um, doing the month to month or, or even the longer contract? Well, they're not really contracts, but like paying in full for a year. Are your members kind of spread between all of them or do you find one to be more popular than the other? Uh, it's virtually spread out amongst all of them. Obviously we do give discounts mm-hmm. for the longer that you right. sign up. So like, you know, for the three month deal, you're, you're getting a break. And so uh, three months is probably our most popular thing. We also offer the free 24 hour access once you sign the three months up. Uh, if, whereas we would normally charge you a $20 fee for the card itself. Uh, if you're signing up monthly, um, yeah, so we, we, we do a little bit of all that stuff, but most of it's just monthly and three month memberships. Mm-hmm. Um, but most, we, we have a high degree of retention too. Like uh, we, 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 I mean, we shuffle people in, of course, all the time with, we, when you don't have a contract, people are, you know, dropping off yeah. and signing up a lot. And that, and that can be a lot for a guy to, to track all the time, but I yeah. put the systems in place and it's all right. I, I get by with it. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of how we do it. All right, cool. So I want to ask, like, you know, for 375, 400 members, is that a place where you, Joe, feel good and comfortable? Or are you at a point where you're, like, looking to take on more members and continue to grow? 
Oh, I'm uh, I'm aggressively trying to grow. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I love 400. 400 is great. We're uh, we're in a very nice, comfortable place, but I, I don't want to leave it there. I, I would love to take market share. Um, I hate to say I'd love to put my clients out of my, of my, my opposition out of business, but but uh, I would love to take the 100% market share. That is the overall goal. Um, but at the same time, you know, like, of course, we're turning a profit. Yeah. We wouldn't be in business without one. But at the same time, I do like to stay as extremely community minded as possible. I want to like the when I when I was thinking about doing this podcast, the word that came into my mind was was stewardship for my community, being humble and thankful for the position I'm in. Uh, I, I want to offer as much back to my community as possible. Like right now, we're running youth fitness camps. Uh, so wow. I actually run a senior, I run a senior fitness class as well. And so we run nice. a, we run a, a senior fitness class in the morning. That's a big circuit. And then we're bringing in middle school kids right behind them to, uh, to work out on that, on the same circuit through the gym, along with some home-based challenges. We're giving them a bunch of swag logoed shirts and stuff. And, uh, it, that's been really fun. And, uh, we're, we, we sponsor and donate to almost everything in town. Uh, we sponsor the speedway, the air show, uh, all the Culver wrestling clubs, Madras high, high School. We've, we're involved with almost everyone somehow as far as the sports and athletics in yeah. our community. We have a huge high school crowd that comes to the gym and all those kids are super fun. I'm glad to see them in there and not outside doing whatever they could be doing outside. Um, yeah, I just, I, I love it. This, this is, it's been the greatest honor of my life owning the gym. And uh, I really think that uh, it's, I, I, I don't, I wouldn't be who I, who I am without it. I don't even know yeah. how to, Say how cool it is. Um, in fact, just real quick, if, if some of you guys might have actually seen my gym before. Those of you who are listening, if anybody has ever watched any of the early Buff Dude videos, the ones where they were shooting with a, in a gym with red walls, that's my gym. They were uh, they shot all those there. And then if you want to see what it looks like now, I have a YouTube channel where I teach people to uh, deadlift, uh, basic leg workouts, cool ab workouts oh, in my gym. Yeah. Well, all that stuff's available. If you want to see my wife's pretty face, we had, we shot some promo videos that she's in. Nice. And, uh, it's uh yeah. So all awesome. all that stuff's out there. We've yeah. We try to get out there on social media. We do a little bit of everything. Yeah, for sure. You sound like a really like you're really passionate about what you do, and and you're really passionate about your community, and that's what drives you to continue to make improvements and continue to grow this business because you really are, you're in it for your community, and I and I love that. I think that's a really really great quality um that that you have in terms of like looking at you know you said you're aggressively trying to grow so what are you doing to aid that growth process i mean it sounds like you're doing word of mouth which is great word of mouth isn't something that we can i guess measure we can't track it we can't predict it we wish we could say hey this month we're going to welcome 30 new members through word of mouth some months we might some months we won't and so I want to ask, like, what are you what what are you doing besides word of mouth to aid that aggressive growth process? Well, so we are we are using the paid side of Facebook and Instagram for uh, for advertising, and I tend to drown that a lot. Like, I think we have three ads running right now. Um, uh, then obviously we're just getting our logos out everywhere. Uh, we're uh, is yeah we're. Basically, I mean, those like what we just talked about are our marketing techniques. I have mm -hmm. sponsorships at all the major stuff right. people go to around here where they see our logos. Uh, uh, we've, you know, those, those youth fitness camps are, are going to be a big one. We're going to ask all those parents to uh, 
give referrals, word of mouth, talk to their friends about how cool this was for their kids, things like that. Yeah. Um, but you're right. We, we are a fairly word of mouth referral based group. Yeah. But all they, all gyms it, are. I mean, all yeah. gyms are word of mouth. That's how we grow our business in this industry because we, we love it that way because it's free. We don't have to spend any money. So if we can be really nice to our members, provide a really clean space for them to work out with good equipment, we're going to have good word of mouth. And I always say to clients, like uh, to, to gym owners, um, not like, I'll say, well, like, is that enough? What can you do to supplement that process? You know, we always have to look at ways to improve. And so you said that you guys have been doing paid advertising on Facebook and Instagram. And that's awesome. That's, that's an area, Joe, that a lot of gym owners, they're scared to go down that path because it's like they have to spend money to make money. Not everybody wants to do that. So talk to us about our, your experience with Facebook because um, I think it's a really beneficial tool. Um, yeah, well, uh, my younger years, I was kind of a computer nerd. So I got really good with Photoshop, which has been extremely beneficial. Um, so I make a lot of flyers with Photoshop. I do a lot, like I, I made my, all my own logos. I did all my own branding. Um, as far as like all that stuff. And so it's really easy for me to, to pull a flyer together for like a class right. or, a, or, or an advertisement or a, a special, all that kind of stuff. And so Facebook's just a natural avenue for 25 bucks. You can get it in front of thousands of people for at least a flash second. And if you have a cool looking ad that, that uh, grabs your eye, it's an easy one. And so that's really been a lot of benefit for us. Like, you know, I hear all the time when I, when I run a deal that people are like, oh yeah, I saw you're offering a $99 three months instead of 109 or whatever it is, you know, like, oh yeah, I am. So uh, yeah. Th that's, yeah, it's, it's been extremely beneficial. Um, right now, like, right now, how many leads would you say that that's bringing in for you per month? I don't know, actually, but one of the things that I've learned from listening to this podcast since I started was the guy from Fitness Innovations was on just the other day. And he said that in his intake, he had a spot that says, how did you hear about us? Like, what, what brought you to us? And there's and, and so I, I thought to myself, wow, that's so brilliant. Like, why yeah. didn't I think of doing that? And so, you know, you're absolutely right. We don't know who, how many people are being brought in for what, but then that can be found out. And I'm totally going to change my intake process because of that now. Yeah, I mean, you can definitely utilize the intake process, but you can also like, if you're, are you on Facebook, are you using like the boost tool or are you using like the Facebook ad campaigns tool? I'm using the boost tool. I don't know about the ad campaign well, tool, I guess. Okay. Yeah. So on Facebook, you can actually run an ad campaign where you can like track everything. And so boosting is great. Boosting is great, but it's not like, um, it's not, we can't track it really. Um, and we could boost a post and reach like 10,000 people. And then we could boost a post and only reach like 5,000. There's, it's kind of finicky with the paid ads. Like you're for sure going to reach people. Um, and, um, you can track that and you can make it so like it's clickable. So literally bring, they can click on it and it will bring them to your landing page on your website or whatever it is. Uh, and that's awesome. Cause then you can track and you know, for sure, like, Hey, Sally, who, uh, inquired that she came from the Facebook ad whatever offer you had out it's really cool um definitely we can discuss that more um you know later on but i want to kind of get to something that i think would be interesting for our listener to kind of to think about here um with you is joe you know all gym owners face different challenges and bottlenecks and so for you what was a bottleneck what is a bottleneck or what's a challenge that you're going through that another gym owner might be able to relate to um well, 
the contracts were a bottleneck for me. I hated I hated contracts. When people would break a contract, they'd be late. You have to call them. It was negative. There was all this negativity associated with that. And so I just hated that whole side of it. And so I quit that as soon as I possibly could. Um, other bottlenecks are just uh, taxes are the biggest bottleneck. I hate taxes. Uh, if, if, if I have any advice to anybody that's starting a gym, get some tax advice and learn that system right away because you can spend all your money on yourself or you can spend all your money at the tax man so uh a lot of that stuff's been a learning curve uh, uh yeah I, I guess i don't really know how to answer that I mean, question that, i think that of, that's guess, a, that that's a other, common challenge though i mean i just want to say like don't feel like you're alone we we don't we we we're not given the skills that we need in order to be a business owner and run like the back end of our business like even if you go to school for business, kind of like I did, uh, it's like <laughs> none of that is applicable to actually being in it. So there's resources out there to help you with that. But did you have something else that you wanted to add to that? Oh, uh, well, another bottleneck for me was uh, I know that a lot of gyms have the, like doing personal training and a lot of guys want to do personal training. And I know that that's a high ticket way to get people in. And I appreciate the concept of that. I'm just not that guy. I don't like doing personal training. I like teaching people to work out. I like showing them how to do the correct moves, but I don't technically want to be there while they do them all the time, you know? Um, well, yeah, I mean, you so, don't have to, you don't have to like personal training, Joe. You don't have to. I personally would never want to personal train somebody either, but I do see the benefit in offering it to our clients because I think that there is definitely a person out there who can't walk into a 24 seven big box style gym and thrive. I mean, I think I'm that person where I can't walk into a gym because I really don't know what I'm doing. I've always done group fitness. I've always been in a sport, you know, a, a team sport. And so if I walk into a normal gym, I don't know what to do. And maybe I have a specific goal. Maybe I want to lose a little bit of weight and a personal trainer could help me get there. And so I love that the benefit of personal training. And I don't think that you have to like it, but do you feel like it would benefit your clients? if that's something that you offered them. Yes, and we do offer that actually. There is a girl in the gym that is doing personal training. Um, she's running her own business through the gym. I don't employ her, so to speak, and uh, and I do throw her every lead we possibly get that, awesome. that from people that are interested in personal personal training. And so we're trying to build that up a little bit. Like we like we said earlier, I've been doing this a, quite a while, and I've never seen a personal trainer take off. Granted, we haven't had great ones that tried. Um, they, you know, they the work ethic and some of them was like oh, i showed up a little five minutes late rather than 15 <laughs> early you know? and uh and so but i've just never seen that really take off and the, even the girl that's doing it now is really good i really like her she's really energetic but even she's struggling to get it to take off as well um and so I, yeah like I, I i love having that idea and i know there's people out there that want to do it but the the cost point that she needs to be at and the cost point where everybody is at is I think in two different places for this town and I I, I, I want to do my best I, I I would love the personal training to pick off around here I just haven't seen it yet um uh you know as a business guy I'm kind of standing back watching that and seeing it like you know when, when is that whole tool ready to to shoot you know when are we going to lock and load and fire that bullet you know you know Joe like do you think that you do you think you as a business owner could be doing more to make the personal training program something that's successful for Madtown? Like right now it's okay that she's running like her se separate business. A lot of gyms kind of do that. They contract people out. 
But if you look at like the bigger picture and for you, you really want to serve your community, but I'm assuming like you probably wouldn't mind being able to make a little more money so you can spend a little more money on the gym. Um, so, you know, if you got a personal training program up and running, I assume, it, you know, it'd be bringing in some, some good money. So what more do you feel like you can do to, to grow that? If I was really trying to uh, grow the personal training side and I should do this, I'm not saying I shouldn't, but uh, it would be really to develop the trainer really well, develop the program, develop the nutrition, the, the every single aspect as far as like, you know, yeah, getting there 15 minutes early. What is the warm up? What are you going to show them to do that day? What are the different yeah. workouts per session? Make sure that uh, there's, touch points in between sessions for nutrition tracking, uh, you know, contact points with the client. Um, the, the real way to, I think, make that uh, highly profitable would be to extremely standardize it. Make sure that the trainer themselves is doing exactly what I or the person who developed the program wants them to. Yeah. Um, there's been way too much variability in our trainers. Uh, like I said, some of one of, you know, they show up five minutes late to a training, like it's just embarrassing yeah. and, uh, and that's yeah. never worked out. And so, yeah, the, the way to grow that business would be to standardize the training itself, the program, the nutrition, mm -hmm. the, the contact points. Uh, it, that, that would probably be the, the best way to do it. And I'm sure you yeah. guys know that already. Yeah, I mean, I loved your answer to that question because your answer to that question would be my suggestion anyway. Like everybody's like, Oh, we'll always say, well, all oh, my trainers aren't good or, oh, my trainer's showing up late to class or they're not making any money. So they quit. And it's like, we got to take a step back and look at it as a business owner. What more can I do to develop these people and make them better? Because we can't just click our fingers and everybody that works for us is going to be as awesome as we are. It just doesn't happen that way. So what can we do to develop them? And that's where your leadership skills come in. And um, it's kind of fun to develop somebody because then you can be like, I, I made that. Um, and so I love that. I love that you kind of answered that question with what my suggestion would be, um, to you. Last question I want to ask you is what I like to call like kind of the magic wand question, which is if I could hand you a magic wand and I was like, all right, Joe, all your dreams and goals for this business have been achieved. Um, what would that picture look like for you and Madtown? Franchising, uh, you know, the, the, yeah, the goal is expansion. Like, uh, like I said, we have a neighboring community of 1500 people that's 10 minutes away. I would love to open a small satellite 24 seven lock facility, but manned a few hours a day place over there uh, to offer more to that community. I would love to branch out to other neighboring communities around here that are uh, not well served fitness wise. Uh, we do have two bigger towns that are near us that are well served fitness wise and uh, but possibly branching into those places would be would mm -hmm. work as well. But definitely my little neighboring community having a satellite there would be awesome. Taking 100% market share would be a goal. Um, obviously, I you know, you got to turn a profit. That's why we're in business. But to be able to turn around and give a whole bunch of that back to the community as well and uh, sponsorships and taking care of the high schools and making sure kids get get through with their, their fitness goals and get their scholarships and, you know, run their sports to the as hard as they can is uh, is something I like to watch as well. And so, yeah. uh, so yeah, uh, the goal would be yeah, market share, lots of profits, opening second yeah. facilities and watching the community grow. 
<laughs> yeah, scale this thing. And you have the right mindset to be able to do that. Totally. Um, what has to happen right now within what you're currently doing to make that possibility of scale, like huge scalability in the future possible? Well, really, honestly, we just got done, uh, or not done, but we just made a whole lot of scaling maneuvers in the gym. Uh, mm -hmm. We recently bought an eight station adjustable cross cable. Uh, which is like a heart and soul of our facility now. Now we have two cross cables in our in our main room. And so, you know, we used to have two pull downs in the whole place. Now there's five. Uh, we've scaled up how much Nautilus equipment, how many squat racks, how many bars, everything that's in there. And so even now, uh, you know, it used to be you'd get in there with, with 20 people and it was like, oh, we got to wait for something or there's these, these <laughs> kids are on this machine. We're going to wait for another half hour before we can bench press. And now there's so much equipment in there that uh, even when 30 people are in the gym, there's like, I still could do anything I want. It's fine. There's still lots of opportunity to bench press and, and all that yeah. stuff. And so, so uh, we, we've definitely been aggressively purchasing, doing all that stuff, um, uh, making sure there's plenty of gym equipment in the gym. Actually, recently, we just put TVs on every wall. And, uh, and we got some really cool streaming service called Atmosphere to go to them. And uh, if any of you gym owners out there don't know what Atmosphere is and you want to put TVs on your wall, call David and tell him I sent you, Joe from Matt Town Fitness. <laughs> For a oh, well, um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, plug it in wherever you can. But, you know, I appreciate, like, I really do appreciate your growth mindset. I appreciate everything that you ha have done for your gym and your community. And I'm excited to see how you're, going to be able to continue to serve the community um with a mindset like yours like anything is truly possible so um what's the instagram page for madtown before we have to hop off of here um we're kind of running out of time um share that with us uh so yeah i mean it's really our facebook page is madtown fitness yeah. in madras oregon there is another madtown fitness in madison wisconsin so watch out that's not us um but uh but yeah you just grab our uh, our facebook page we have a uh, wolf head logo with yellow eyes you can look for that that's our uh, that's our logo perfect but, uh, well, thank but, you. but hey thank you so much for doing this this was so exciting and fun to do i'm uh, i was very nervous but uh this was really great and i really appreciate you uh having us on or gym owners and caring about people that do this stuff because uh I, I just think it's really fun so thank you of course um it was really exciting to have you here today um and listeners thank you guys for tuning in don't forget, if you want to stay notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you want to join us for an episode here at the Gym Lords Podcast, fill out the link in the description and we will be in touch with you soon. As always, until next time, Gym Lords out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.